Debris from the Ocean Gate Titan submersible has been found about 1,600 feet off the bow of the Titanic. The catastrophic implosion and loss of life of the five crew members on board cannot be overstated. But let's take a look at the trauma that affects the surviving families and the search and rescue workers who were there hoping for a different outcome. I'm Collier Landry. This is Moving Past Trauma. Let's talk about it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. The U.S. Coast Guard says that a debris field located in the North Atlantic suggests that a submersible missing since Sunday afternoon with five passengers on board suffered a catastrophic implosion. The five crew members on board were Hamish Harding, a 58-year-old British businessman and explorer, Shahazda Dawood, 48-year-old, also British businessman, and his son, Suleiman Dalwood, who was 19 years old. Paul Henry Nargolet, a 77-year-old French explorer and also nicknamed Mr. Titanic, and Stockton Rush, a 61-year-old man who was the chief executive of the Ocean Gate firm behind the dive. He was also the pilot of the submarine vessel. So the Polar Prince expedition ship first arrived near the Titanic wreck on Sunday morning, and the Titan was launched at 8 a.m. local time. It was expected to resurface at 3 p.m. local time. Contact was lost one hour and 45 minutes into its descent at about 9.45 a.m. The Coast Guard said that they were notified of the problem at about 17.45 or 5.45 in the afternoon, which was eight hours later. The agency's command center in Boston then began coordinating search efforts. Now, the Titanic wreck site is approximately 600 kilometers or about 370 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. The submersible was nine feet wide, but only eight feet tall. And the Titan leaves little room for his passengers who sit on a subfloor inside the carbon filled tube. A photo in the Titan specification sheet shows five passengers seated on the vessel's floor with limited room to move or stand. There is a bathroom that was located in the back of the vessel, was separated by a curtain. Now, the vessel, which had limited oxygen supplies, went missing deep under the ocean floor on Sunday after setting off to explore the wreck of the Titanic. It prompted a massive five-day search and rescue operation led by the U.S., Canadian, and French agencies. Authorities said earlier that the search area had been expanded to approximately twice the size of the U.S. state of Connecticut and a subsurface search area of around two and a half miles or four kilometers deep. Early in the search on Tuesday and Wednesday, hopes were raised when a Canadian plane had picked up underwater noises, but the United States Coast Guard was unable to confirm that they were from the sub. And a robotic diving vehicle deployed from a Canadian ship is the one that discovered the debris field early Thursday morning. U.S. Coast Guard Rear Admiral John Mauger told reporters on Thursday evening that the Coast Guard had located five major pieces of the Titan amid debris around the Titanic site, which it said was, quote, 
consistent with catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. The agency offered its condolences to the families of the victims and said it could not confirm if their bodies would ever be recovered. The search is being wound down over the next 24 hours, although remotely operated vehicles, or ROVs, will remain on site. OceanGate, the company that operates the tours, released a statement saying that it believed all five passengers on board, quote, have sadly been lost. In a statement, they said, our hearts are with these five souls and every member of their families during this tragic time. We grieve the loss of life and the joy that they brought to everyone they knew. Now, the search has been being carried out for the last five days since they all went missing and the trauma that the families are now having to deal with in losing their loved ones and their explorers is is really hard to fathom for most people. But I also want to talk a little bit about the trauma that all of the search and rescue workers who have been involved in this. And if you look at the maps or the analysis of the area that they're searching, again, twice the size of the state of Connecticut, two and a half miles deep in water. Um, it is a substantial... <laughs> size in the middle of the North Atlantic that these people have been trying so desperately to recover this sub and save these people's lives. And you also have the families who are running scenarios in their head, probably having warned their loved ones to not go on this trip. And then the search and rescue workers saying, why did they go on this trip? And the general public that has been questioning the decisions behind going on such an expedition when it seems so unsafe. I mean, in fact, there was an explorer who pulled out at the last second because he didn't feel that the vessel that they were going in was safe. You, when you look at situations like this, in, in my experience, you have a lot of survivor's guilt that goes on, and then you have a lot of even anger. You know, the families, I'm sure, are angry at their loved ones. I mean, it, it might seem ridiculous, but also they, they're upset that, they're, that their loved ones took such a chance because they're so important to them in their lives. But people are going to do what they want to do, and you can't, you can't shame them for that. And there was even uh, uh, the stepson of one of the billionaires that was on board uh, went to see a Blink-182 concert, and everybody kept questioning why he did that, saying he should be at home waiting by the phone. He should do that. That is so easy for everyone to say who is not directly involved in a situation to sit there and excoriate someone or shame them for getting on with their lives or for trying to take their mind off of something that is obviously so horrific and so tragic. They can't imagine their loved ones suffering. I mean, for me, when I think about this, I just hope that it happened really quick, that it was done, it imploded, and they were done. Because to think of anyone suffering, running out of oxygen, stuck in a vessel 13,000 feet below the surface of the ocean in literally one of the largest graveyards in human history, it's sad to think that it would end this way for them. I just wish them to be at peace. I wish their families to be at peace. I'd like to hear what you guys think in the comments below. Please comment like, subscribe, let me know your thoughts on this. How has this tragedy affected you? What do you think about it? How are you coping with it? Let me know what you guys are going through in the comments below. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. 
For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.